Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey, y'all, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 366 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. I'm Tom. And I have a bone. You sound so good. (laughs) You sound so good. We all sound good, thanks to... Tom, giving you all the credit tonight, man. I'm, I'm connected with some cool folks online who tell me about all the fun things. Like oh, my you mean cooler folks than now us? you can actually see me. Yeah, you've got cooler a new folks ca- than me. microphone and a new camera. And new friends, apparently. New online friends. Uh, they're cooler <laughs> uh, than me, I'll say that. But most people are. Speaking of online friends, I have a bone to pick with Todd. Our oh, Killian? Friend, Todd Killian of Christmas <laughs> Clatter Podcast. How dare he Photoshop me in a, into a picture with one of my sworn enemies. Don't worry. Dude, if Earth Christmas is your Instagram. sworn enemy, that says a lot more about you than it says about Arthur Christmas. Oh, you know, though, He's Anthony, so I feel like... so sweet and kind. We've gone a lot darker, Anthony. I think we can... Um, I think we'd agree that that if Arthur Christmas were covered now, it would look a little different. Well, I refuse to entertain that notion. I don't. I don't know if that will ever be covered one day next year or something on Christmas movie commentaries. But I do not want to entertain that notion. <laughs> oh no! How are y'all's weeks this week? You know, it's a week. It's. A week. <laughs> it is a pause. Week. It's a week. It, it's it's my favorite part of the week is tonight, right? Talking with y'all. There you go. I love Tuesday nights. How was your week, Tom? I was on a call with somebody from work today, and she made mention of, uh, she said it was Thursday, and I was like, that's exactly how this week feels so far. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> like it should be Thursday already? Like it is Thursday. Yep. I heard you got something special this week, Tom. I did. I'm going to show y'all right now. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Tom, zip your pants up. Oh man. Not cool, dude. Not cool. <laughs> we went from thinking the excitement was a child to that very, very quickly. Look, okay, don't look at how dirty my espresso machine is. I did clean it after this. I've been bringing it in. Look um, at how beautiful that double shot is. Look at that crema right there, y'all. <laughs> oh. You got your espresso machine. You're so I did his espresso machine. And look at how, just look at how beautiful that pour is. Oh. It is pretty. It's very pretty. Do you do the designs in your drink like coffee shops uh, do? I've tried. Yeah. And so far, I've is been it... able to make a lopsided cross. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? <laughs> is that just the cream uh, being poured in? It, that makes it's just, it's, 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 it's coffee. It's the top of the coffee as it comes out. That makes the design? Oh, no, that's milk. Okay. That's the frost milk. Right. 
Oh, yeah, no, I have a, I steam and froth my milk. As a matter of fact, last night, um, Christine, I, I find this whole was process gonna be, yes, pedantic. It very much is. It very much is. It's bougie. <laughs> it's bougie to the max. Um, Christine wanted a a chai latte, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me go froth and steam some milk. And as much as she hated to admit it, it was a lot better. Has your life um, changed? It has, but like being able to get that, like I, I have other things to make like espresso like drinks. Like I have a mocha pot, I have an AeroPress, but just actually to get that crema on top. Oh, it's amazing. It's so delicious. <laughs> I would like to congratulate you on solving one of your first world problems by getting this machine this week, Tom. Thank you. But does, <laughs> would anybody like to know the science behind the crema on espresso? Or is I that do. too pedantic? No, I do want to know the science. Uh, less, uh, it's that's that, less pedantic, more pretentious, but go on. Okay. It's that little froth that you saw on top, you know, of the espresso. Right. And what it is, is it's uh, uh, when the air com comes down and combines with like the air that, that as it's falling from the, from the espresso drips, yeah. uh, combines with the, with the, with the coffee's soluble oils, it creates a, a crema. Oh man. That's interesting. It's delightful. And it's almost sweet. Yes. So it's so nice. There are well, three parts to espresso Tom. shot, apparently, for everybody to know. There is the heart, which is the dark brown base. Uh, you'll see that like at the bottom of the espresso cup if you let it sit. And there's the uh -huh. body, which is the middle layer, and then the, cre the crema on top. It's super I fancy. can't wait for you to visit me one Christmas, Tom, in New York and go around to all the coffee shops with me in the city and tell them how they're preparing their drinks wrong. I do that. Yeah, I was about to say, I think he does that. Uh, if I'm watching them and they're making, uh, I've had to correct my, I've had to correct Americanos and Macchiatos before. I'm not paying for water here, folks. I don't want, I don't want water. <laughs> well, Americano is with water, uh, right? It is, but it needs the to be the right ratio. Of, yeah. Some people like to double the water to the uh, coffee ratio in coffee shops to make it cheaper. And it's not good. Oh, they don't do it because somebody asked them to. They do it. No. Isn't that called a misto or something? I don't know. I just know when I go somewhere, I watch how much water they pour in. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, that's just so I have, I just only get Americanos if I want longevity. Um, Cause it kind of, it takes some, it takes the flavor away, but you know. I like them because they don't make my stomach yeah. hurt. With Does espresso all, make your stomach hurt? Anything with milk in it. So I like the water cause I know that I ever get just straight espresso. Cause gotcha. I want like a I... vat to take with me to nurse all day. My preferred drink really is a macchiato, which is like the uh, the espresso with a layer of uh, foam milk on top. That's what mm -hmm. I typically go with. Latte is espresso, a whole lot of milk. It's it's yes. uh, one part espresso, two parts milk, one part um, milk foam. And then a macchiato is what now? A macchiato is just the one part espresso, and then you put the milk foam on top of that. Okay, with the milk foam on top. So I can oh. probably do that. You can't do a yeah. latte. It literally kills me. And the cappuccino L is... Literally yeah. kills you? Literally kills me. I have to keep resurrecting myself after I drink them, which is why <laughs> I don't drink them. What is a... What is a... What's a cappuccino? I love cappuccino. It's like espresso, one part espresso, one part steamed milk, one part milk foam. Oh, yeah. See? Those hurt my stomach too, but they're so good. Uh, try it with oat milk. I'm a big fan of oat milk. Hey, now that we've turned his podcast into the most bougie podcast of them all. <laughs> I think we all know that there's no way that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in humanity's level of bouginess. We have some exciting podcast news this week. 
Oh, do we? Well, by the by, the time this episode drops, did you guys know IMDb hosts podcasts now? No, did. I didn't I saw know my that. Name. I saw my name on there, uh, Anthony. You beat me to it. I did. I was gonna go do that today, and you beat me to it. We have a Tissa podcast. I don't know if it's been approved yet, but we have a Tissa podcast. It should be approved by the time this episode drops. We have a Tissa podcast credits page. So if one of our listeners wants to create an account and <laughs> fill in all the episodes on there. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that would be awesome. We need an intern. Can we get an intern? Can we get an intern? An unpaid intern? We'll send you a sticker. That'd be awesome. <clears throat> Speaking of stickers, probably... how's that design coming, Tom? Uh, I think I lost it. I think I'll need to start over. I had a computer. Uh, I think I have it in Shanty, though, so I can see what I was doing that y'all liked. Right? Didn't I send you something? It looked like Hipster Santa with headphones on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know if I loved it, but if y'all like it, we'll go with it. It was cute. I liked it. I liked it. We need a name. He needs a name. We need a mascot, y'all. Well, I was thinking that, too. We do need a mascot. Would it not just be Santa? A talking wreath? Oh. (gasps) <gasps> a talking wreath would be cute. Can you design a talking wreath? Horrible at mascots. I'm horrible <gasps> oh, at I naming stuff. It. I did, it, it recovered. It recovered. Can you design a talking wreath as a mascot? <laughs> uh, maybe. So my problem really comes down to inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I need to feel inspired. Well, if the wreath doesn't do it for you, there's always snowmen and reindeer and elves and gingerbread cookies. The whole host creepy candlehead guy from Christmas Carol. We get a talking hat like in the new Mario game instead of Mario's hat, it's a Santa hat. All right. We haven't been arguing, but I almost kind of feel like we should have been arguing a minute ago because that'd be a nice seg into our movie this week. Uh, This week we are covering 1994's The Ref. We're all pretty excited, I think, about covering this one. So I'm going to open us up with our synopsis. Dennis Leary plays an unfortunate cat burglar who is abandoned by his partner in the middle of a heist and is forced to take an irritating Connecticut couple hostage. He soon finds that he took on more than he bargained for when the couple's blackmailing son and despicable in-laws step into the picture. Before long, they're driving him nuts with their petty bickering and family problems. The only way for him to survive is to be their referee and resolve their differences before he can be nabbed by the police. All right, so let's go do casting credits real quick on the ref before we get into actual histories with this movie um this movie was directed by ted dem is that how you say his last name deme dem i'm not sure i pronounced it dem when i read okay that's how i would say it too he has a lot of history with dennis leary they're buddies and he's directed multiple dennis leary stand-up comedian stand-up comedy efforts Um, He has also done Beautiful Girls. He directed the movie Beautiful Girls in 96, a few episodes of Homicide Life on the Streets. He directed the movie Life that had Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence in. Martin Lawrence, right? And he directed the movie Blow with Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz. Did y'all ever see any of those? I haven't seen any of those. I have not. Okay. All right. So was this your first taste of Ted Dem? It was. That I know. Are you more yes. likely? Are you more likely to watch more of his movies now? Yes. Sure. I will yes, say no, yes. Maybe. Okay. Because uh, looking at his list of movies, they don't look like this one. I was about to say the cast <laughs> you just read out, like, 
didn't do anything to excite me. Like the people he's worked with. Right. Except I, I remember reading about beautiful girls and it's got some good people in it. That might be the one that I would be tempted to pick up. Uh, writers for this movie were Marie Weiss, maybe Weiss, maybe German, and Richard Lord, Richard Lagraveness. Boy. Ooh, sounds like a spooky last name. I'm killing it, it tonight <laughs> with the name. I am graveless. <laughs> uh, like writing credits. at the haunting mansion. <laughs> Lagraveness, it does. Right? So Marie has just the ref, and then she has a TV movie called The Christmas List to her name as well. Richard, on the other hand, has quite a bit of stuff that he has helped to write for. Um, among those is Freedom Writers, Beautiful Creatures, The Fisher King. Future, Fisher King's a good movie. Did you That's guys read or see Beautiful Creatures? I saw it. I have not I read it. I saw it. I hated the movie. It did the book no justice. Did you justice. love the books? Really? Um, and I feel like that's how I'm going to feel about Artemis Fowl, which premiered on Friday by the time we're listening. Mm, likely. I'm so nervous about that still. I really am. I want to believe it will be good. So Richard has also written the screenplay for Bridges of Madison County, Unstrung Heroes, The Horse Whisperer, Beloved, P.S. I Love You, Water for Elephants, and the TV movie Dangerous Liaisons. This guy's got some TV writing chops. Movie? Apparently. Hmm. In 2014, there was. Interesting. That brings us to our actual cast of characters. Headlining this movie as the ref, so to speak, is Dennis Leary. He plays Gus, who is our, I don't want to say inept burglar, because I don't think he's inept, but he's our burglar in the movie, right? Um, if you um, can go into a burglary and somehow get cat peel over your face, you're inept. Uh, that was a sophisticated security. He got covered in cat urine, y'all. He did. That's, That's nasty. <laughs> I just wanted to say something about the cat pee before we moved on to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, if we were going to call him inept at any point, it's the fact that the guy had a gun and didn't shoot the dog that was attacking him. I'm not one to condone animal violence, but it seems like something this guy would have done. Right. It just been a little harsh for the movie. Yes. I mean, yeah, because if, if there's a dog in front of me that just chomped through a pool ball... <laughs> But speaking of cat pee, I have another story. I have a personal story. <laughs> so the other night, <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. I wake up to use the restroom, half asleep, bleary eyed. Don't bother turning the lights because you have enough moonlight or whatever. I start urinating. <laughs> The cat comes in and hops on the toilet and I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I accidentally pee all over the cat, which gets scared <laughs> by that, takes off into the living room. So here I am at 2 a.m. finishing my business. And then I have to chase this cat down to clean him. Before... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's not really a cat pee story. That's an Anthony pee story or a cat <laughs> pee story. <laughs> Oh, it's like a comedy of errors. <laughs> yep. Oh, that poor cat. <laughs> I mean, like, he was just I feel not like even... he avoided me the rest of the day. No joke. Yeah, like, couldn't look you in the eye. Like, it's awkward, <laughs> dude. He totally peed on me last night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Okay, so Dennis Leary, if you don't know him from stand-up, or if you know him from stand-up, you've probably also seen him on TV because he has done quite a bit of TV as well. Um, you may remember he's the stepdad from The Sandlot, which I always <gasps> thought he was super cute, Aww. by the way. He's all clean-shaven and 50s version of Dennis Leary in that one, and he says no bad words. So if you don't remember him, that's probably why, because he's very <laughs> opposite of Dennis Leary. He was also in... Operation Dumbo Drop, Two If by Sea, um, Underworld, Suicide Kings, Wag the Dog, Monument Avenue, Small Soldiers. He was the voice of Francis in A Bug's Life. He was Captain Gwen Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man. Captain... Oh my gosh, he was. Gwen Stacy's father, Captain father. Stacy. Yep. That's right. He's the voice in Ice Age, all the Ice Ages, rather. He's a saber-toothed tiger, right? He is the yes, saber-toothed tiger. Diego. 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 Boy, there's a oh lot God. of those, those ice movies. ages. Including a Christmas special. That's right. I just saw that. Oh, there is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, most notably, he was in the show Rescue Me. Did y'all watch that show when it was on TV? I think it was an FX show. Is that right? That was the firefighter show? Yes. That was the one with no. Dr. Chase, right? Oh, no, that was Chicago. They all blend together for me. (laughs) They do. Rescue Me was a little more... Procedural? Edgy? Uh. Well, it had Dennis Leary in it, and it was not on ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox. Um, Are y'all Dennis Leary fans in general? I am. Nope. Yeah? No? I've never seen seen his stand-up, though, honestly. Okay, I was about to say. I just just happen to like the roles he plays. Yep. Um, but I would How I'm about interested you? in his stand-up now. Yeah. How about you, Tom? Why do you not why are you not a Dennis Leary fan? He's just never appealed to me. I like him okay. as Diego, but that's about it. As an actor, I'm, I never feel uh endeared to him. I never feel like I'm rooting for him. He's just meh. Right. Are you guys okay. Ice Age fans? You said Diego, Tom, so I assume you are. Yeah. Are you Julia? We're not really, no. We never really got into Ice Age. But I like his voice stuff. So, like him as Francis in Bug's Life is great. Yes. Are you you in general a fan of him, though, besides his voice stuff, or no? I don't know that I would seek him out, but whenever I see him, I'm never just disappointed. If that makes sense, right? That that does make sense. Um, He makes this movie for me. I will, you know... (laughs) Say that I don't, I, I cannot imagine anybody else cast in his, in his role as successful as how he is in this one. Oh, I can easily. Oh, you can. Ooh, we'll I talk can. about that then. I want to interject because we're talking about opinions and families and cartoons. And I feel like I need to eat crow. Um, not cannibalistically, just hyperbolically <laughs> or not hyperbolically, just uh, uh, figuratively. Um, I owe Anthony an apology. I watched uh, Prep and Landing with Ellie. Her amazement and love of that show made me like it a lot more. Yes! Thank you, Ellie. That makes me so happy. She was so excited by this. I mean, just so excited. I am glad you could appreciate it more, Tom. I I truly, truly am. Because I I do love those specials. That makes me so happy. Turn things around. How about that? All right, so playing our main female character in this movie, um, playing Caroline, which is the wife of the bickering couple, is Judy Davis. 
the Australian actress. For stuff that we would see here, she's done obviously a lot of stuff in Australia before she became kind of mainland. You will know her from Barton Fink, Deconstructing Harry, Absolute Power. She was terrifying in Absolute Power. Do you remember that? Wasn't she the bad? Wasn't she bad in that movie? Yeah, she was. She's a... I feel like she's a, a good word to describe her in general as intense. She's a very intense actress. Even in this movie, she's she very is. intense. She is very intense. <laughs> she's also in The Dressmaker, which was an independent movie that had one of my favorite actresses ever, Kate Winslet, in it. She was pretty intense in that one as well. And then she has done some TV stuff also. Do y'all have a favorite Judy Davis? I do not. I don't either. But if I had to say, probably either. this one. Yeah, I guess so. Playing counterpart to Judy Davis's character as her as her husband is Lloyd, played by Kevin Spacey. We've covered Kevin Spacey already on the show. So we've talked about favorites. Um, so we're not gonna go through his list of stuff. But he was very Kevin Spacey in this movie. <laughs> he was very <laughs> Kevin Spacey. It was Kevin Spacey playing Kevin Spacey. <laughs> um I feel, I'm sorry, this is one of my least favorite Kevin Spaceys. Oh, we're going to have to argue that later on. Okay, we will. In this one, I feel like he was basically playing Kevin Spacey in American Beauty too. Same guy, the same yeah. exact guy going through a divorce. With yeah. His wife, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's the feeling I got too. All right, so playing their son Jesse, who's a bit of a a bit of a scoundrel, is Robert J. Steinmiller Jr. And as I was watching this, I was like, man, that kid's face is like super familiar. Why? Why is it familiar? I think it's from Bingo. Did y'all watch that movie? A 1991 movie about a dog. And I think he was like the kid in it. But that's the only movie in all of his stuff that I can think of would have been him. He was also in Rudy. He played a 13-year-old Pete. But I don't think he was in it very much. Like Rudy doesn't take a lot of time up in the past. So it's got to be Bingo, which was the 1991 movie. He was also in Jack the Bear with Danny DeVito. He was in an episode of Cold Case, and he kind of just dropped off the face of the earth a bit later in life. Although it does look like he's in a TV series that has been, that's just wrapped up shooting. So maybe he is making a comeback. Hmm. Also somebody we have covered in our, uh, in our podcast before shows up in this movie as well. Glennis Johns um, plays Lloyd's mother. We've previously talked about her. And while you were sleeping, she was a sweet grandmother. And in this one, she's horrible, terrible, awful. She's not sweet here at all. In this one, all I could think about when I was watching it is, man, she could have made a really good Professor Umbridge. Oh, yeah. That's kind of how I I pictured Professor Umbridge when I was reading it. Like more, (laughs) like older like that with that. Yeah, totally. I could see that. Good call. Um, Also in this movie as a police chief captain, I wasn't real sure on it, um, is Raymond J. Berry. Um, Tiny little role, but when you look at his face in IMDb, you're like, oh, it's that guy. He looked so familiar, and yet I can't Mm -hmm. picture where I've seen him before. It's because he's in a lot of very small parts in some pretty high visibility movies or whatever that word is. Fairly popular movies. And he does a whole lot of TV. So you've probably seen him in CSI or one of the 50 NCISs or Cold Case. He's got that cop face. So He's always a cop. He's always, always a cop. Always a cop. Another family member is played by Christine Baranski. She is the, she's Lloyd's sister-in-law. So it's we his brother's We have also wife. covered on this show before. Yeah, so we covered Christine Baranski in the 
in Anthony's favorite version of the Grinch. Not my favorite version of the Grinch. Your favorite movie version of the Grinch. No, it's not. Wait. No, it is. It's still edged out, the Cumberbatch one? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember. And we covered her in Bad Mom's Christmas as well, where she played a very, a mother similar to Rose. Yes. Yes, she did. A lot of other small characters, and I am going to mention our one last teeny tiny little bitty baby part, just because I really love him. J.K. Simmons plays one of the, I don't know what he is, at the military school, a general, a headmaster, or whatever he is, at the son's military school. Um, So a tiny little part. Um, But it was nice seeing him, because I'm a big fan. I like him as an actor, so. This is his first movie role ever. He looked pretty fresh in it. He yes, looked really fresh. young. He, he looked very young, young Captain Craig. He has the same exact face. Yes, he does. Doesn't change. He just gets less hair as time goes by. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. Okay, so that's our cast. I don't think I'm missing anybody major. Um, so let's do histories. Anthony, what's your history with this movie? I never heard of this movie before Julia here suggested putting it on our list this year. And I can't believe you never even heard of it. Nope. So I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would be one of these non-Christmas Christmas movies. Totally wrong about that. I'll go. This is a clearly a Christmas movie. I don't know why it doesn't get more airtime around the holidays on AMC or whatever. But right. um, so I watched it for the first time yesterday. And the whole time I watched it, I was thinking not only that this is definitely, definitely, definitely a Julia movie, it is by and large an Anthony movie as well. <laughs> this, is one of, this is one of the most Anthony movies we've covered on this show, I think. And uh, I liked it so much. I watched it again this evening with Sarah and she freaking loved it. She did. And uh Looking into this a bit, Entertainment Weekly in 2012 actually put this on their list of 50, the 50 best movies you've never seen. So I'm glad that I wasn't the only person. It was a, a lot of people missed out on this, I guess. But mm-hmm. I freaking loved it. I'll go so far as to say I think this is my favorite movie we've covered this year so far. Since oh, man. Whoa. I th- at least since uh, the, other, the one that Tom didn't like you sort of like the the fx at christmas carol oh that was this year that was right right at the beginning of the year so yeah i have quotes galore when we get to that part i am (laughs) been super excited to talk about this film so yeah i loved it and thank you julia for putting it on the list oh man i get points off that one um tom what's your history with the ref today today had you ever heard of it i remember seeing the cover but it never looked good to me Mm-hmm. The cover is very cheap. It doesn't engage me in any way. It it's does. It looks, it looks hokey. Um, mm-hmm. And it's completely disengaging. I had no interest in watching it. Um, mm-hmm. Which I now know is a mistake. I said it in, I said it in our, our chanty slack conversation. And I stand by it. As I was watching it, all I could think is, I quoted, I said, quote, this is a Julia movie, y'all. And I still say it. This is the dysfunctional family holiday movie Julia loves. It's true. So my history with the movie is, I don't think I've ever seen it unedited. Um, I saw it on TV a really long time ago. And I just remember it being very funny. I don't remember feeling the heart of it quite like I did upon rewatch. Um, it's not a movie I've watched a lot. 
I just <laughs> remembered it. And I think it popped up in one of my kind of like yours, Anthony, the whole Christmas movies you never think to watch, like those unsung hero Christmas movie lists or something. And I saw it on a list and I was like, oh, that's right. It is a dysfunctional family movie. It's a dysfunctional family movie done right, in my opinion, because we have definitely talked about dysfunctional family movies I don't like, like Meet the Coopers. Um, and we can talk about why this one goes right for me, where some of them don't. So I like this movie a lot. Makes me laugh. It is rated R for those listening that have kids. Don't watch this with your kids unless it's edited on TV. And I'm sure that when we get into quotes, you will hear a lot of beeping. You'll hear a lot of the sleigh bells this week. Yeah, a fair amount of sleigh bells this week. Yes. Okay. So the ref, it's all about Dennis Leary's character is a burglar, breaks into a house Sweet near Caroline. <laughs> Lloyd and Caroline's house. The movie opens up with him breaking into this house. Um, it has fairly sophisticated security measures on their safe. One, he's sprayed with cat pee, which becomes a recurring joke through the rest of the movie. Um, and as he is grabbing the gems and jewels out of the safe, the last one he goes to grab and everybody knows he should not have grabbed it was a ring. It's attached to a pulse ring, which activates a camera that's taking his video and drops him down a chute into the basement where he lands on a pool table covered with a sheet. And there is a horrible, vicious dog named Cannibal, you find out later, ready to eat him alive, basically. He is And it drops a gun. That. Well, he drops his gun. Oh, the, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, he drops his gun. I was very confused about the gun. He doesn't just dispense a gun. Okay. <laughs> Here's a gun, okay. by the way. <laughs> he thought it was yeah, like a battle. Yeah, it's like, like the why family the wanted to see this battle between their yeah, dog like and the battle criminal. royale between this dog and the <laughs> if burglar. You, if you can beat the dog, you get our money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he ends up, um, he gets bit by the dog, but ends up escaping, which takes him to a convenience store where Caroline is shopping. And I'll back up here in a minute where Caroline is shopping, and he puts a gun to her back and hijacks Caroline and Lloyd. We've already seen a little Caroline Caroline and Lloyd at this part. I guess the movie actually opens in their therapy session. Okay. With Dr. Wong, played by Dr. Dr. Wong, Wong, played uh, by Beatty Wong. Jurassic Park fame. That's right. And uh, in Law their Order SVU fame. There Law you Order go. SVU fame. In their therapy session, they're in a marriage counselor. B.D. Wong plays the marriage counselor, and they are at each other's throats in this counseling session. Passive aggressively, directly, I mean, you name it, and the claws are out. So you get the sense immediately that they got real issues and they're intolerable beater to be around because even their therapist has trouble reining them in at certain points. But what the core issues come down to is Caroline is a dreamer. She's a not finisher, right? She can't finish anything is Lloyd's main gripe. Um, and she cheated on him at some point. And she basically doesn't understand why he can't get over it because it didn't really mean anything. Uh, Lloyd's problem in Caroline's eyes is he is mama's boy and he can't get out from underneath the thumb of mama and kind of no balls, right? No balls, Lloyd. So she doesn't like that. And he doesn't like anything like that about her. And so they are at odds. I mean, they're at marriage therapy Christmas Eve night. So, you know, there are some issues, <laughs> 
because this does happen. This all occurs on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. And that's my first problem with this movie. That it occurs on Christmas Eve? Nobody, no therapists are going to be working that late on Christmas Eve talking to people, right? Come on. We could have spaced it out a day or two apart. Well, well, well they talk later surprised. about how expensive this guy was. I know, I know. We also don't know how late it actually was, right? It's winter, it gets dark around four. Dinner was at nine and he was, the ref... Yeah was clearly with them for a while at that point. So you have to assume this is still in the work day. Right. There are some things in the movie that I feel like with this one, you kind of have to just accept, right? In some movies, it's easier to accept some of those timeline things and some it's not. This one, I was just kind of like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) I get what they're trying to do and that all works. So Lloyd and Carolyn are hijacked by Gus. Gus's wingman, who was the car driver, is bailed. So this is partly what leaves... Gus in a tight spot. He's trying to get away and his guy is gone. So he hijacks Carolyn and Lloyd and from the get-go they are still arguing with each other in the car and he is in the back seat <laughs> with a gun to them and they like dislike each other so much that they don't even care. <laughs> they continue on <laughs> with their issues with him in the back seat. It reminded me very much of the physical manifestation of, you know, like when uh, parents say to the kid, oh, if they kidnapped you, they'd return you in five minutes. That's exactly what this reminded me of. Right. Like you could tell immediately he he regrets taking these two. He does. But he's in a And there's a great quote. Yeah, there's a great great quote from that scene I'm sure we'll cover later where he kind of eclipses how he feels about the whole thing. So he takes them back to their house. He's like, take me back to your house. They go back to their house with guests. Throughout the movie, binds them in different ways, which I think is funny. What I've always liked about the movie is it feels like you could be sitting in a theater and watching it on the stage. The way that it's staged feels like a play a lot of times. Absolutely. Especially like some of those one-room plays, like the last scene in the movie. I've always like that about it. It's really conversational. The whole movie you spend unpacking the Carolyn and Lloyd relationship, it's not all bad. There's heart to the movie as well in their relationship. And you basically see that play out in the house. So a few things happen. Gus realizes there's going to be a lockdown, a curfew instated. So he's on a timeline. He's got to find his wingman. He finds his wingman and he tells him, get a boat and let's get out of here basically before curfew is in all the cops you know that are out looking looking for the burglar are on their case so he's in a tight spot so this brings me to one of my only problems with the movie okay so there's this subplot made the funnier because it's curfew of this neighbor dressed as santa going around visiting family he's delivering fruitcake on behalf of his wife and he just gets Mm -hmm. drunker as the movie goes Mm -hmm. on i feel like this could have been lifted from the entire film and i get why they have it they want not to jump to the end they want him to escape in the santa outfit at the end Right. I feel like they could have come up with a different way to get him to escape rather than have this. I, they were my least favorite parts of the movie, the bit with the Santa dude. I totally agree. Yeah, because at some point you go to a scene with him in a totally different house and he's inappropriate to a certain extent and ends up getting kicked out of the house because he's, you know, wasted. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, the whole purpose was so you could get Dennis Leary in a Santa costume at the end, but there are better ways. Yep. They were, no, he was such an enriching character. I love seeing a Santa drunk talking to kids while downing booze. Tom, I have to say, I missed you last week, my friend. 
<laughs> I mean, this, that, that, the, the Santa, the whole Santa drunk guy going around was disgusting. Yeah. It was just unnecessary. So what starts is complicated with guests having just Carolyn and Lloyd in their house. Um, turns more complicated when their son comes home, Jesse, from military school. Jesse's running a blackmailing operation in the school where he's selling nudie pictures to J.K. Simmons and other people um, for money. And his whole goal to make money is so he can leave home. Because is, it, is that parents... what it was? Nudie pictures? I assumed it was yeah, those were like nudie that, pictures. But... Yeah, but, I mean, them, so, but it was like compromised. They were because com- he was blackmailing them, right? He was blackmailing them. Well, yeah. he was with like hookers or something, right? Yeah. Okay, I was trying well, to I figure was, out what on the negative yeah. was because you could see it briefly, but I wasn't. It looked like other people were in the photo with him, so I assumed that's what it was. Yeah. Right. Okay. Compromising situation with a married guy with kids that you find out when J.K. Simmons talks to his wife that night. Oh, I. So the son is a total shyster as well. <laughs> This subplot, I felt, didn't have the resol- any real resolution for me. No, definitely not like specifically his plot. I mean, you have you have a change in the dad and the son a little at the end. Their relationship, yeah. But right. again, well, I feel just like forget you could about it at the end, though. He's fine. It's fine. I I feel like you could have done it a different way to show that he's strained with his parents. Like, fine if he's running all these operations on the side, but I don't think you actually needed to necessarily see this guy being blackmailed. Maybe he's a teacher who brought it to the parents' attention. Because you get no resolution with this specific guy and his family or getting, you know what I mean? Right. No, nothing. Other than the little comment at the end where the kid says, well, you know, if not, I'll just blackmail him. He said that about his dad. He says that to his dad. About his dad. About his dad. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but that's a lot of work to just have a little offhanded yeah. quote. I just want to say, like, I love this film. And these might be nitpicking. Because yeah. they didn't, like, bother me to the point some things in other films did. But I want to be fair. Right, right. I forgive, I, I forgive a lot in this movie because overall I enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yep, me sure. too. I let a lot sure. of stuff, a lot of stupid stuff fly that I wouldn't if the rest of the movie wasn't so enjoyable. Right. Um, so the son comes home. That's a complication. He ends up tying the son up as well. Then he finds out, oh, oh, by the way, family is also coming for dinner tonight. Family includes Lloyd's mom, Lloyd's brother, Lloyd's brother's wife, Lloyd's brother's two kids. Um, and they're expected <laughs> at this certain time. And We're running late because Lloyd's brother's wife keeps making them stop first at a fast food court and then uh, at a grocery mart thing 7-eleven type store for cheap food (laughs) because she thinks that what's her name caroline's caroline's cooking sucks and they won't be able to eat it so she makes everyone fill up on this cheap fast foodie type dinner and makes everyone late to which by the way i found nine o'clock for starting a christmas dinner christmas eve dinner very late. late Super. But if they have to, if they open presents at midnight, I mean, if you have dinner at six, it's like an eternity to wait until presents opening. I don't know if that's why they did it or not. They probably needed the time, though, to build the story. Some of us don't have Christmas Eve dinner until like 1230 in the morning. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. So Christine Baranski is kind of funny with her own kids because she's, she's a high strung mom at Christmas time, like to the max. And she's pretty harsh. And some of her quotes are also very funny. I love the kids' re- the kids' reaction. So to the final scene, to the to the, anything the that happens at the house, around. yeah. Because and they make a comment about that, like, "Oh, I hope Caroline and Lloyd get into an argument because those are always so entertaining." Those are crappy yeah. kids, y'all. But right before yeah. they arrive at the house, every, the thing everyone knows is going to happen from the beginning 
happens. Gus decides, okay, I'm stuck here. I'm not hiding the whole evening because I can't let these two out of my sight. I'm going to pose as a dinner guest and be their doctor. So, of course... Right. And up until this point, he's gotten the not approval of Lloyd and Caroline. He's definitely lost some of the scariness, right, that he would have had initially with the gun. And they almost have come to an agreement because he really has been the ref for Helpful? Well, yeah, helpful. He's been been calling each one of them out on their crap and making them kind of understand I you love that, that scene the first time he does that when he knocks the chairs over and he yep. gets in Caroline's face and he's like, did you say you were going to quit smoking? And uh, she tearfully nods yes. And then he's like, then you lied. And Kevin Spacey just gets this wide grin on his face tied up next to her that this guy just took his side. And then he makes him admit the same thing. Did yep. you see this? You saw the stop sign, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, then you're also a liar. And so he is a voice of reason and honesty, which is so funny. Well, he gets um, to this point, right? That where like, he doesn't want to get involved. But then especially once uh, he Jesse can't comes help home. It, though. Once mm-hmm. Jesse comes home and he leaves him tied up in the bedroom and he just hears him in the bathroom arguing. I found that so funny, as immature as it was. <laughs> He's in the bathroom by the mirror, <laughs> fingers and ears la, going, la, 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 Yep. <laughs> And then it's at that point he realizes, I have to. He needs to intervene a little more. He's trying to help this kid from following his footsteps. And it's really sad that Jesse thinks this guy is so cool. Yeah. It shows how desperate Jesse is. He just wants to. He's like, I have the best life. I have a good life. I'm a 30-year-old man. I was watching it. I was like, man, this guy's really cool. Yeah, but you would would never think, you know what? I want to be just like this guy who's like running around being a bum. Uh, He was talking about how he was was going for that last job so he could retire. And he was 35. If I can retire anyway at 35, I'm going to (laughs) <laughs> anyway <laughs> even unsavory one so dinner party comes um gus is now dressed up in a naval uniform some kind of military uniform and he is posing as dr wong um just another one of my favorite quotes that we'll talk about. Lloyd's mother really is as awful as Caroline thinks she is. Lloyd's brother is a teddy bear that cannot, does not like confrontation and is a yes man. He's Um, so cute when... (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know why it made me laugh so hard, but when they say they're getting a divorce, he's like, why? And it's just a close up. I know, he's so (laughs) earnest. I liked him. (laughs) In the mix of the dinner party and then the presents afterwards, we also have two cop buddies that are totally inept because there's a (laughs) tiny scene towards the middle-ish of the movie where the camera in the safe that captured a picture of Gus is brought to the police department by the head police chief guy who is not inept, but everybody else on his (laughs) squad is completely inept. Um, They're watching It's a Wonderful Life. There's a few movie placements in here of christmas movies throughout the movie mm-hmm. the, the scene that they chose to pick from a one this it's a wonderful life it's one of the funnier ones where she's naked in the bush and then the uh, aggressive I, one that we were all kind of uncomfortable with remember that where he's got her he's I grabbing do. her he's shaking her yeah to your point julia i like the christmas movie references they throw in throughout mm-hmm. like he references a charlie brown christmas at one point and there were a it few does. more too i just forget off the top of my head but mm-hmm. um, little nitpick here, they could have had a little more Christmas music. The songs they picked were really good. Mm-hmm. Could have been a one or two more. Like we've seen other movies, they incorporate into the score at certain parts. Mm-hmm. It could have been a little more of that for me. 
They could probably. So in the police station, the reason why none of these cops really know what Gus looks like is because of this scene here. And you kind of, it's one of those questions you're like, there was a camera and there was footage. Wouldn't all of these people know who he is if they're <laughs> sending like this video out to everybody the way they deal? And they answer that question is the police chief brings the video back, shows all of the guys the video, right? Shows all of his squad the video. And he's like, study the face. I'm going to go in my office and do this thing. Y'all watch the video again. And so he goes into his office. None of them know how to work a VCR, by the way, which made me feel warm and fuzzy inside when you saw the fast forward and the rewind. And I was like, uh -huh. it's like my childhood. Yep. It did very clearly say for at least five seconds of that screen record though. Yes, it did. So what they ended up doing was in an effort to rewatch the video or they were going back to watch It's a Wonderful Life. That's what they were going to do. When they started watching It's a Wonderful Life again, they accidentally recorded It's a Wonderful Life over the video of the robber of Gus. And so Nobody knows what he looks like, and that's how they explained it. Completely inept cop. So there is one point in the house where not only does Gus have to deal with Caroline, Lloyd, and Jesse, as well as the extended family, but there are also two cops there as well, because they're super excited to see the sweet Gary. Gary. <laughs> that's right. So and this leads to some comedies of errors, too, because this is also when Murray calls to check in and give him his status on where he is and what's taking him right. so long. And of course... They leave the phone off the hook to go take the call upstairs. And Murray overhears the two cops. Oh, yeah, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him. You know, there's no way he's going to get away. We'll set a trap for him, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Which freaks him out. Which freaks him out. And right. The other movie they showed throughout this was Alistair Sims' Christmas Carol, right? Yes, that's it. Yep. It's been bothering me since we talked about that a minute ago. I couldn't think of the other movie. <laughs> So at the dinner table, things escalate between Caroline and Lloyd. Did anyone else think oh. the hats they wore at the dinner table were extraordinarily dangerous, as cool as they look? It they is were, a Swedish tradition. That was also great. Yes, it is. But it, it, it is. Um, she told a very dark tale of St. Lucia, who is Christine's patron saint and is remembered universally in Christendom on December 17th. So it seems a little odd that they are wearing St. Lucia hats on the 24th, but I think it was just for the effect. I think but she wanted awesome, to tell the story awesome about effect. female empowerment and stuff because she's going through this marriage. She feels like she has no power and she's not mm -hmm. living her life. And so she was, it was a passive aggressive way to like stick it to her husband in that moment with his family. Right. That's how I Plus she loves it was. Scandinavian culture. Well, as we see. Definitely. With the uh, yes. awful food. Awful right. in their words. <laughs> Everything Scandinavian is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful, rich history. The art's amazing. Like the folk art is beautiful, but the food is just nasty. <laughs> I mean, not their baked fish. goods. Their baked goods are delightful. It's got all that cardamom in it. Yes, please. It, we, we didn't get to hear what they thought of the baked goods because she threw it down on the table and smashed it. <laughs> so it's during the table scene that Gus loses it again, this time less so with Carolyn and Lloyd and more with the sister-in-law and the mother. Um, so he unleashes, the gun ends up coming back out. I guess that's not until the present scene. The lead up to that is really funny though, how he's trying to be portrayed as a Doctor. therapist Who for whatever reason they invited to their home on Christmas Eve. He called them what, like nut jobs or something? Wackos. They, they you call your patients wackos. wackos, they like it. They like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It's important to know, too, before the gun comes out again, things get really serious between Lloyd and Caroline when she, she finds out he told his mom that she had an affair. Oh, right. And yeah. she's like, you know what? That's it. Well, she gets drunk. Right. And Gus is finding it harder and harder to keep a hold on Bring her, her at this point. Now, I want to make a point here. If you have an affair, you lose a lot of moral high ground on things like, you know, who gets told that you had an affair. I was thinking um, that too. I was, th- I mean, I can understand some of her problems came from, but I also didn't like how that character kept undermining the fact I had an affair and how she just kind of kept Yeah, they really, out. she really downplayed it the whole time. Like, yeah, it happened. No big deal. And I'm like, hmm. And she never really did cop to the seriousness of it by the end right. when they make up. She also didn't seem remorseful at all. No, there was no, there was no acknowledging how bad it was, how much it hurt him, how sorry she was. Nope. I found yeah, for kind her of though, her reaction to finding out that the mom knew was the betrayal because that's, that's the thorn in her side, right? is the mom and how he is more concerned about with what his mom thinks than what she thinks is how I think she perceives it, that she's not as important. She's just in the, the shadow of the mother. So they move into the living room to open presents because it's their tradition to open them at midnight, but Gus is not about to wait until midnight, so he makes them open them early. Anybody and else want is- to know what Lloyd got Caroline? Yeah, I was kind of hoping I that do. moment I at did. the end on the stairs, he would have given her the gift and we got to see it. But, yeah, that seems like a loose end. Yeah, like something really thoughtful. hmm Yeah, I would like to have known. He brings people into the living room to open gifts as a way to keep them all together. Because at this point, again, he's losing control of Caroline. Rose just is not listening to him. She storms mm-hmm. off because she's sick of being insulted. So it's just a way to mm-hmm. keep everyone in his eyesight. Right. And the story between Caroline and Lloyd continues to unravel. And Lloyd finally gets the chance to say what bothers him the most. Because Caroline kind of had her say in the dining room. Um, in the living room, Lloyd gets to rebut and say, you know, when my mom first said to live in her house, I said, no, remember? And he starts bringing up all these old memories of like when they were first living in their first place in New York and how much Caroline hated it and wanted more and, you know, wanted to not feel, she wanted to feel like her rich friends in the city do. Like she wanted money, she wanted wealth, she wanted status, all of that. So he is able to then, you know, air his grievances as well. Mm-hmm. He also, in this moment, and, and it is a triumphant moment, stands up to his mom. As they're airing grievances, you realize, though, that neither of them are particularly likable people, not somebody you'd want to be friends with. Oh, they are totally are... relatable. <laughs> what kind of life do you have, dude? I'm not saying to my, I'm not saying me and my family, but I'm saying I know so e- they are definitely East Coasters. Definitely... People I have known and know that 100% that's I and that's part of the reason this is an Anthony movie this family <laughs> the two of them were people I've known my whole life you say oh. things like this all the time Anthony do you realize how awful you make the East Coast sound <laughs> no because this is just how people are there are different there are differences that's how we are over here not me horrible horrible human beings no just more uh self-absorbed Rough around the edges. Rough around the edges. There you go, Julia. Or transparent. Maybe that's it. You don't too. worry with the niceties. You that's are also are. very true. Yep. And that's just what it is. There's a reason basic, we have basic, Southern you, charm. You lack basic, basic decency and um, respect for others. Got it. 
That's why no, it's called or just Southern most... Decency, is because it doesn't exist in the North. No, it's and just our version of poison, decency is we're just straightforward with each other. Right, so pick your poison. You, you can... Would you rather somebody talking behind your back, like you see a lot in Southern culture, right? Where you've got the status quo, but you chitter-chatter behind backs. Or would you rather somebody straightforward about how much they hate you? <laughs> Also, so the amount, there's a happy it, medium. You don't amount, have, you can be the amount of swearing in this like film people. is also true to life too. What I hear about around people's households and workplaces here. The amount of what? Swearing. Oh, swearing. Which we've talked about before. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. We've definitely talked about that before. So Lloyd tells his mom off and he stands up and that makes Caroline very happy because that's what she's been wanting to see for a very long time. Also, her his brother Gary and his wife use that opportunity to also basically stand up for themselves and, and tell the mom that, you know, she's not all that in a bag of chips. Um, the kids are eating this up. <laughs> <laughs> There's one point where they end up having to tie up their parents and he just keeps, the kid just keeps wrapping his parents up with tape. Uh. <laughs> the part that I really enjoyed right? Is at this point, there's a knock on the doorbell, grandma storming upstairs. He follows her up the stairs, <laughs> puts the gun to her head, and they get this little <laughs> scuffle on the stairs. And grandma, like, gets in a few elbows at him. She, like, she doesn't go down without a little fight. But mm-hmm. she got one dog. No, she wasn't. She got what was coming to her, though, honestly. <laughs> the mother talks to Jesse separately and kind of makes up with him and basically says like, you know, what your dad and I are struggling with, it's not your fault. And he has a chance to say to her, and I wasn't expecting this, you know, I'm a part of the family too, don't I get a say? And I feel like in those situations, you usually hear the parents saying, I still love you and all of that. But I liked that he wanted some stake in the game. Um, because he had kind of seen his parents change a little bit with Gus there as well. We also get some understanding between Caroline and Lloyd because they decide Gus needs to get out, right? He needs to get on that boat and they're not going to do anything to keep that from happening. They're going to help him out. So did I miss something here? One, how did the cops arrive at the house and know he was there at the end? I think they were just... It, who says it earlier? I think it's the son the, that says... If Jesse got says the, that they're going to start going door to door. Right. But, if I, but I thought those initial curfew. pair of cops were there for the curfew visit, weren't they? I, they just showed up to see Gary. Oh, okay. I think I they just that showed was part up to of see Gary. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, because they're standing there like, is Gary here? Is Gary here? Is Gary here? And she's like, oh so my was gosh. So <laughs> was the curfew just a pretense to show up and see Gary? Because they did mention, oh, we're doing house to house. Maybe so. Yeah. Okay, got it. That makes sense. I was just Because I assumed they were showing up at the end just because, Yep. yeah. A door-to-door check. So Lloyd's little moment with his son comes up when he basically says, okay, son, you're the one that's going to take us out. You're the only one that can do it. And so he's basically trusting his son in a way he hasn't trusted him before. They then proceed to wrap themselves up (laughs) as Gus is escaping in the Santa outfit (laughs) to where the boat is. And they basically come up with a story saying oh he was here and he tied us up and he left an hour or two ago and on a plane to switzerland no to yugoslavia no (laughs) and the cops are so exasperated yep the cops are so exasperated by them arguing again that they they say we don't need a statement we're good like we believe you later peace out 
So this was not the original ending for the film. Ooh, what's the original ending? Was. The original ending had Dennis Leary being caught by the cops to show Jesse that a life of crime leads nowhere. However, after screening the movie to a test audience and receiving negative comments about the ending, director Ted Dem changed it. He now admits he regrets changing it and wishes he left the original ending. Really? I would have hated that ending. No, there's nothing like cheering cheering for the for this villain to get away. I did. I was totally cheering for him to get away. I was too. I, I feel I like was. that original ending would have worked. Sarah said the original ending would have worked more if um, it was more of a family movie, you know, like more kid friendly, right. you know, teach a lesson type thing. Right. Not a dark comedy. Not, it's clearly not a kid's movie. Yeah. So. No. This ending, I like this ending better. Me too. Because I'm cheering for Gus. It's, did you? Would you, you know, prefer the other one, Tom? I think I kind of would have, actually. Oh. Or if, like, as the boats, as their boats sailing away and they're talking, it just explodes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that would have added a that would have added a dark comedic element to it for me. I just feel like it wrapped everything up too nicely in a bow at the end for the for how dark the movie got through the rest. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I want to know how um, Lloyd. What do they do with and, Rose? Yeah, like how they're going to stop her from going to the cops saying. Yeah, that's part of the. I can overlook it, but there are definitely some questions they don't answer that would be hard to deal with after the fact, for sure. Like her, she's my main problem. I like that they were going to leave the family till Christmas morning tied up, and then they'd it'd be more festive Christmas morning to open them. <laughs> them. That was really clever. Okay, so that's the plot. Is there a Linus moment in this movie? And is it a Christmas movie? It is a thousand percent, in my opinion, a Christmas movie. This is not it has a to movie be. set at Christmas. Set at Christmas. Christmas no. is a part Christmas of the plot. Christmas was far too integral. Yep. yep. And so what's the Linus moment? Lloyd and... Her making up Jesse and Lloyd on the stairs. Yeah, I would have said Caroline and Lloyd. Well, it's kind of stretched out a bit too, right? There are a couple Linus moments, I think. Sure, but it's definitely um, like everything's not better, which I like either. But they're gonna work at it, and they learn. They both make valid points, and they both all have Mm -hmm. to try at these relationships. And I think that's a very you know real message. Right, definitely. Well, I think maybe we're overlooking one important Linus moment. That's when they're laying on the ground, tied up together. (laughs) <laughs> and she says i should tidy up more often yeah that just that whole scene made me very uncomfortable y'all that was not necessary <laughs> but i guess given kevin spacey it probably makes sense oh lord <laughs> okay do you agree it's a christmas movie julia absolutely i i'm going to go as far as to say this is kind of entering my christmas canon oh delightful it does add a bit of spice to christmas canon doesn't it well, I, it felt Christmassy to me, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, I, I this is a nice double feature for me with Christmas Vacation and this two dysfunctional yeah. family movies. Yep. Do you have any favorite quotes, Anthony? I have a lot of quotes. <laughs> I have a lot of quotes. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start with one that's uh, not the funniest, but I laughed because it's true to real life. And it's when they're driving in the car and Connie says, who would catch a criminal and then let him go free? And her daughter says, Republicans. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, another car quote, and it's one that I mentioned earlier, is I like, it's right after Gus hijacks him, and they've already started arguing, and his comment is, great, I hijacked my <laughs> parents. <laughs> and his face, he's just like, seriously. So I like when he has Rose tied up, and she's still running her mouth. And Gus is like, you know what, lady, I'd like to tie you to the back of a 
truck. And Rose is like, you don't have the balls. <laughs> and he leaps up at her to like attack her. And Lloyd's like, don't do it. It's not worth it. And Gus says, I hate her look. <laughs> and Lloyd is like, I know, I know. And Gus says, what's the matter with you? I thought mothers were sweet and nice and patient. I know loan sharks who are more forgiving than you. Your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. That's it. That's my favorite <laughs> quote of the entire movie. Your husband ain't dead. Your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. So funny. Oh my gosh, made me laugh so hard. He's really good. He's got that same Chevy Chase quality of when he loses it. His physical comedy and losing his temper is very funny to me. Um, I like when they're sitting at the table and discussing him because they used to, they used Doctor Wong as his name as a psychiatrist. Um, <laughs> and Rose says, "You're a Wong." And he said, "Well, my mother was Irish." Rose says, and your father? Gus just says, "Wasn't." i like when they go into the kitchen during dinner this is before everything comes out during dinner and lloyd gets upset at caroline and he's like she's my mother and gus is like she's (laughs) lloyd (laughs) lloyd says you're not supposed to take sides and caroline's like no 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 no. thank you so much gus finally somebody else sees and gus is like you'd have to be blind not to see it (laughs) okay so i like it's the very last scene in the movie, um, Gus and Murray are on a boat pulling away and all you see is the boat pulling away. You don't see their faces. You just hear them over, over it. And Murray goes, Gus. And Gus is like, what? He's like, when are we going to open presents? And Gus goes, presents? Is that what you said? Presents? We'll open them when we get there. No, in fact, I'll save you the trouble. Your present is a giant cannon and you're going to crawl in it and then I'm going to get two pounds of gunpowder and I'm going to shoot you right out of Jersey and then I'm going to drive to Jersey and I'm going to pick up all the parts of your body and put them in a plastic bag and then I'm going to drive to my house with you in the bag and toss you into the fireplace I'm going to get my glass of whiskey and watch the Charlie Brown special with your ashes burning in my (laughs) house (laughs) and then Murray goes Gus and he goes what and he goes what's that smell (laughs) it's an ongoing joke that he smells like cat pee it comes and goes, though. Not everybody seems to notice it throughout the movie. True. It's not noticeable uh, it's at all true. times. So I like how Connie is always slapping her kids, and Gus just snaps at her at one point, and he says, I swear to God, you hit that kid one more time, and I'll stick that pig's head right up your ass. And Connie says, Gary, are you going to let him talk to me like that? And meek little Gary is like, well, he's a doctor. <laughs> Gary's so sweet. <laughs> Okay, I have a Kristen, a Christine Baranski quote that I think is really funny. It's when they're in the car on their way to the dinner, and her daughter asks, maybe they'll catch him and let him go in the spirit of Christmas, talking about Gus. And Connie, the mom's, that's not the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is either you're good or you're punished and you burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) End scene. So I love when... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's during the opening scene with the therapist and Lloyd and Caroline are really starting. Their tempers are rising and they're talking about Jesse and Lloyd says, in the ninth grade, we said he could get a part-time job. Are you ready for what he did? He started an escort service for the football team and he gave out my mother's phone number and Caroline's like, and I still say getting laid by an 18-year-old linebacker is just what she needs. I like where he's trying to get everybody into the living room. Gus is trying to get everybody into the living room. And he says, Caroline and Lloyd, we'll get the coffee and desserts. Then we'll be opening presents. And Connie goes, we can't open presents till midnight. And Gus says, why not? And Connie says, because it's not Christmas until midnight. And Gus says, we'll be changing the rules a little bit. We are opening the presents now, not later. Now, why? We're adults and we can open our presents whenever we want. I like after the whole uh, uh, St. Lucia scandinavian stuff that obviously did not go over well with anybody at all 
Lloyd offers his mom coffee and she's like, is it real coffee or some Scandinavian Christmas potion? (laughs) (laughs) I do like when Connie snaps at one point and she's like, I'm sorry, but I've had it. I've never heard of such a Christmas. Sex and drugs and and a woman being set on fire. (laughs) Oh, she's so funny. So let's rank this thing. I think I'm going to come in at a seven. I'm going to come in at a seven point nine. I am going to transpose those two numbers and come in at 9.7. Oh, man. Which gives us an average of 8.2, which which puts it at number 22 on the list between Love Actually and 2014's A Christmas Carol, the musical. I like it around Love Actually. Yeah. I mean, it's more Christmassy than Love Actually, but Mm -hmm. that sounds like a good night of TV to me watching this in love actually it does love dysfunction love dysfunction yeah. right <laughs> there really is heart in this movie though that was completely unexpected to me yeah there was heart and that's why i liked about it it's funny and it had heart and it was christmasy which is the biggest surprise for me because like i said i thought it's gonna be a christmas movie a movie set at christmas not a christmas movie mm-hmm. so so I'm curious to know what people thought of this movie. And we actually got some comments on social media about this film. Stephen Beach wrote, as far as Bill Hicks ripoffs go, Dennis Leary is the very best. I love this film. A Little Chaos at Christmas is always really welcome. This is like Christmas vacation on map. That's a good description, I thought. That's a good one. Yep. Uh, Jacob Bean Watson wrote way to give a backhanded compliment i think he's replying to stephen beach artists yes. and comedians especially comedians steal their material dennis leary eventually came up with plenty of fresh material to love he knows how to capture the true depravity of the ugly american arch- archetype the ref features in firing all cylinders funny movie great director ted dem i loved when they collaborated on monument ave an underrated irish american crime film it's not ted's best not dennis's best but still a pleasant christmas watch can't wait to hear your impressions then Matt Yurich wrote, I really need to go back and watch this one sometime. It sat on my Netflix list for what felt like ages before it was taken down. I remember liking it the first time around. So Matt, definitely go back and watch it. Julia, do you want to, because I saw you replied to him on Reddit, we got a comment from President Hot Dog on Lethal Weapon that actually made you rethink whether or not it's a Christmas movie. Do you want to? It did. It did make me rethink it. So for those of you that are in our Reddit community, it's a wealth of knowledge, some of our, our listeners, like know stuff about movies that is remarkable. Lots of great information there. So President Hot Dog is a regular. You might have heard him on his very own patron episode where we talked to him about his Christmas fireside items. But he had some really great insight on Lethal Weapon. Um, my favorite bit, I'm not going to read his really long comment because you should go to reddit yourself and interact with us there because it's a lot of fun and you should read his comment but i am going to share this part he's talking and he's breaking down lethal weapon versus die hard most of us on the podcast think die hard's christmas movie and most of us thought lethal weapon was not a christmas movie and he's referring to todd killian who was with us on the lethal weapon episode 
He says, Todd's talk about how Murtaugh and Riggs slowly learn to trust each other is exactly why I feel like Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Riggs wants to die throughout the movie. He's got a special suicide bullet. And for those of us who've lost important people in our lives, you don't miss them more than you do on Christmas because it's an acute moment of loss. Riggs only had his wife, never a family. But by the end of the movie, Riggs both has trust and a family because he becomes in truth rather than just on paper, Murtaugh's partner. So Riggs, throughout the movie, slowly gets something to live for, which makes this movie also a secret It's a Wonderful Life remake. To me, it's almost a seasonal depression movie, not just a Christmas movie, because it's not as much about learning to love the holiday, but learning to live again. Ooh, I like that interpretation. I do too. And while I still don't think it's a, <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie, I like how President Hot Dog talked about you know, all that Riggs gets. I like that he says he doesn't just get a trust, he doesn't just get a partner, but he gets a whole family. And he really does the way he's welcomed into the family throughout the movie and definitely at the end. It leans me a bit to where I think Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie now. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it is just because of who said it was today. It was President or Hot Dog. So because he said it, I'm gonna agree with him. And President Hot Dog also had another comment, Tom, that I think you'll appreciate that I'll just read really quickly. He wrote, he wrote on Reddit, I loved Tom's weird bit he did this week. For the next weird bit, I'm, I'm rooting for an openly hostile Julia. Not even passive aggressive, just regular aggressive. <laughs> Which, I if you listen to our fireside chat, he was pushing that a lot on that chat too. Yes. <laughs> I have been slammed at work. Did we get anything else about about that? I was just curious um, if anybody else commented about it because it was let's do it. It was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell how unnerved you made the two of us, Tom? Oh, Anthony, you were so uncomfortable through the whole thing. (laughs) The listener was legitimately, I wasn't trying to freak y'all out. I was legitimately trying to bring like extra positivity because it just, it seemed like such a bad week for people. And uh, I was, I now know that being nice to Anthony makes everybody uncomfortable. (laughs) Even my kids, when I was editing it, Ethan and Hannah were listening to it and they're like, he's not always like that, is he? (laughs) I'm like, no. And they're like, is he being sarcastic? <laughs> I'm like, kind of. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> and there wow. were so many times when I was editing, I was like, so weird. It's just so weird. <laughs> I want to know what listeners thought of Tom's weird bit. Did you love it like President Hot Dog did or not? And while you're at it, let us know what you thought about the ref. Do you think it's a Christmas movie? Uh, Do you think it's as good as we made it out to be? You can let us know on any of our social medias, which you can access very easily by going to tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook, slash Facebook group, slash Twitter, slash Instagram, slash Reddit. Or slash Patreon for some bonus extra cool material, like the fireside chats we keep talking about and some other stuff we have coming up real soon. We have, we made a promise at the beginning of the year. Not a promise so much. We set a goal at the beginning of the year. You could call it a wanted... New Year's resolution. No, because I've never actually followed through with one of those and we seem to be doing pretty well here. 
<laughs> don't jinx it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 make it dirty for all of us here, Anthony. Uh, we 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 set a goal for ourselves to get new Patreon content out uh, every month. We have blown that goal out of the water. I would say we probably have hit pretty close to 12 new things so far this year already. And we have no intention of slowing down at all. Um, so please join us for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to all of that great content. And patrons, thank you for helping us out. Uh, because of you, we, have, we all have clearer mics that are able to give us better quality recordings. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So coming up in the next two weeks, we have more guest hosts on the horizon. Um, next week, we are going to be covering Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors with the awesome April Riley we've had on the podcast before. I'm super excited about that one. She is a Dolly fan. Tom's a Dolly fan. Should make for some really good discussion. And then the week after that, we're covering a very Murray Christmas, as in Bill Murray Murray. With guest host Gary Blauman. Oh, so many good friends coming on. I'm super excited about it. Within like the past six weeks, we will have had like four guest stars. That's crazy. Because you know what? This podcast is more fun with friends. It is. Which is why you should help new listeners find us by leaving us a review on iTunes. Because the more reviews we get, the more listeners find us, and the more you can help us spread the Christmas cheer 366 days per year. That's right. And if you tell them now, I mean, like, Leon Day's right around the corner. They can glide with us into Christmas because... Christmas is only 4,656 hours away. That is only 194 days. We're under 200 officially, guys. That is insane, y'all. I mean, absolutely in freaking sane that it is so close. Next week, we hit our halfway point of Christmas. So this week, we still have 27 weeks until Christmas. But next week so, is the official halfway point. And trust us when we say we have a Leon Day episode coming up this year that is going to be freaking hilarious and quote-filled as well. Yes. All right. Y'all have homework to do, so go do it and meet us back here next week when we talk about a little bit of Dolly Parton. Bye, everybody. Oh, I'm so excited. Bye, Bye y'all. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh
And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two It's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas.